0: Drive Time on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Zurich. When investment performance matters, make sure your savings are with Zurich. Visit zurich.ie to find out more. Now, A secondary punishment is new research published today from the Irish Penal Reform Trust which shows barriers remain for people with a history of convictions to finding work despite close to 90% of Irish employers surveyed saying they would consider hiring someone with a previous conviction. Well, we're joined now by Saoirse Brady who is Executive Director of the IPRT and Damien Quinn, founder of Spare Nua, which helps people with past convictions in starting over. Um, Saoirse, you might just briefly first outline how you went about the research search for this study.
1: Yes, thanks, Erin. Thanks for having us on. Um, so last year, we um, received funding from the Irish Human Rights and Equality Commission and we supplemented that with funding from the Open Doors Initiative to commission two researchers in Manusa University, Dr Joe Garrahi, and Dr. Kira Brackenoch to carry out research with employers and with people with lived experience of convictions um, to look at what employer attitudes were to hiring people. So they looked at uh, they, they did it in a number of ways. So they carried out surveys um, with both of those cohorts. They um, interviewed, had more in-depth interviews with them, and they also had a participatory symposium, as they called it, um, where they brought together employers, um, people with lived experience of the criminal justice system and uh, subject experts to kind of look at what recommendations might come out of it and look at what could support employers to actually hire people with or encourage them to hire people with convictions. Because as you said, nine out of 10 of those surveyed said they would consider hiring mm. people with convictions. But I suppose they also identified some of the barriers to that. And it wasn't uh, anything about the people themselves. It wasn't, you know, whether or not they could do the job. It wasn't around absenteeism. It wasn't some of the things you might expect. It was actually looking more at, you know, um, safety concerns and um, they they looked at risk um and you know they felt that they just didn't know enough or have the supports in place to do this correctly. And I think, you know, we had a launch today. We had representatives there, Damien was there speaking for us and he'll speak for himself in a moment. But we also had an employer there. We had IBEC there. We had the Department of Justice there. We had IREC there. We're all singing off the same page on this. The research is not done. This is the first dedicated piece of research um, published in Ireland on employer attitudes to hiring people with convictions. So now we just need to see action.
0: Yeah, and I know one of the things that can be very tricky uh, for for all sides is uh, the issue of disclosing the conviction, whether the the person looking for the job should disclose the conviction, whether the employer should then disclose the conviction to other employees who are working with the person who has the conviction. Um, Can you tell me a little bit around navigating that challenge?
1: Yeah, so I suppose half of the employers that were interviewed um, and surveyed for this, uh, and it was a scoping study, so it was, you know, it was small enough in scale, but mm. only half of them had policies in place. And that was one of the things that they really want guidance on is, you know, how did they put policies in place on this? How did they ensure they're compliant with the general data protection regulation that we all have heard so much about? And some of them actually said, you know, we are all over GDPR in all other aspects, but I don't know if we'd be GDPR compliant with this because they feel that maybe they would have to disclose this to um, other employees. And then, you know, for people with convictions themselves, some of the issues that they raised were, well, actually, you know, at what point in the inter view process, do I disclose this? And Mm -hmm. the majority of them did disclose it when asked, but also people were deselecting from actually going for a job. You know, they they were actually saying, oh, I won't go for that because what's the point? They're gonna ask me about my conviction at some point and then sure, I'll be back to the start again. People Mm -hmm. identified, you know, being in interviews that coming up. And even today, after the launch, we have had calls in the office when we returned after the launch you know, from people kind of saying, yes, this really resonated with me. You know, what's happening with spent convictions legislation? How long do I have to disclose my um, my my conviction? And when we talk about convictions, and I know you want to bring Damien in now, but when yeah. we talk about convictions, we're talking about everything from road traffic offences, minor drug offences, theft etc um right up to the more serious offenses so you know we're talking about people who may never have served a day in prison we're talking about people who may have served community service been on probation had a suspended sentence as well having to disclose and is there a road an traffic offence, for example
0: Saoirse, is there an obligation for for you to disclose convictions particularly in cases where you may never have spent a day in prison
1: well, if your conviction isn't spent, then yes, you know, if they ask, then, you know, a person will have to disclose that. And, mm. you know, if guard of vetting is required for the job, it's of going course, to come yeah. up then anyway. So, you know, we, we had lots of discussions today just around guard of vetting itself, just, you know, the fact that people have to do multiple guard of vetting, basically have to disclose it to multiple people, whether that's their employer, you know, the coach of their child's football team, you know, all of those things. And is it always relevant? Do you always have to, like, if the offence isn't relevant to the job that you're going to do, is it right that you always have to disclose it? Um, mm. And one of the things that people today... Of course, with, you know the flip side of that. Said.
0: You know, you'll, you'll know the flip side mm. of that, particularly would with, say, with, with jobs uh, or roles where people might be, as you say, working with sports teams or with children, you know, that of everyone course. involved in that situation would like to know the background, however relevant or not it might be. Um, and you can understand the fear then that that wouldn't happen.
1: I can understand, but I also think unless the offence was relevant, um, you know, yeah. you, you know, Who if you're talking about that decision, suppose, uh, yeah, um, is then the, well, the question. Um, a traffic offence, you know, to coach a sports team, you know, mm. is that relevant? So I think mm. there is something around that. Um, of course, like you know, there are certain um offences where you will have to kind of know about um some of that background. But I think it has to be relevant to the job that's being done. Um, And, you know, we talked today about like how we've all made mistakes in our lives. We've all done things that we would probably not want to disclose to our employer, perhaps. Um, But we don't have to. Yet people who have a conviction, you know, um, and even those with spent convictions are still subject to this in some way because an employer might Google them. Okay. Um, and if the information is up there, you know, it, it makes it really challenging for them, it makes it okay. really challenging for them to move on with
0: their lives. Yeah, yeah, stay with us if you don't mind, because we do have Damien on the line. And uh, Damien, I know you have lived experience actually of all of this. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, well, uh, the, Are you okay? Um, it's a little muffled. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Are you talking to us on a phone? When you could bring the receiver a little closer to your mouth. Yeah,
2: is that any better?
0: That is much better, yeah. Go on ahead.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, thanks for first of all for having us on and thanks to the Irish Penal Reform Trust and IREC today for that event. It was really, really good and a lot of positive people in the room. I would have, um, yes, I would have found myself in trouble as a younger person and um, obviously um, paid for it in many ways. You know, I would have paid for it through the courts. I paid for it in personally, losing family and all that type of thing. Losing my home and becoming homeless and all that type of stuff. And uh, when I went to prison, then I used the time constructively to plan uh, for a better future, you know. So um, I was quite naive as well. I thought that when my time was served, that the punishment was over. But in fact, that was when the punishment began, you know, when I was trying uh, to get housing, trying to get a job, trying to volunteer, trying to get into college, trying to get insurance trying to start my own business all these different things every time I tried to do something my past kept preventing me from uh, doing it now I went to prison for drugs and fighting and I would never use an an opportunity like this to excuse that behaviour like criminality is wrong and must be punished I totally accept that but I believe prison was a punishment and that I would be free to move on with my life when my time was served but that is Mm. not the case it's not the case for me and many other people.
0: So can you explain to me or give me some examples then, particularly with, with trying to get a job, although you've outlined all those other situations where where this this was a barrier for you as well in terms of housing and, and, and volunteering and all that. But in terms of getting a job, was it that you felt you had to disclose your conviction, your time spent in prison at the outset, and was it that you weren't getting interviews or it was coming up at yeah, interviews? Yeah, well, like a
2: lot, of the, a lot of the jobs on offer, it says clearly, guard of vetting will apply to this role okay. like and when you have to disclose something that you're very ashamed of and that you don't like about your past to somebody that you don't even know and knowing full well that it'll probably go nowhere because guard of vetting applies to getting the role, you know, it's a very, very mm. hard position to find yourself in. Mm. So what we've been trying to do through our own work with Spiranua is do the positive disclosure piece, you know. Yes, there is something from my past, but since that time I've done all of this work on myself and it has a value. And I now have the skills to do the job at hand. And I try to bring the conversations that way. But the amount of rejection I got in the 10 years up to kind of getting a break in a career that I'm very, very happy with and very thankful for today, uh, still <laughs> still on the go, but I'm really, really, I'm in a good place today. But it mm. took 10 years to get here. Like, And you have to be so resilient around all the no's and not everybody is that resilient. Like so, what we're so about is you... shortening that journey and 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 helping people get opportunities quicker, so that they don't end up going back to prison because they've no other options or they've no they don't see the wood from the trees and they fall back into old habits because. There's nothing else out there for
0: them. Yeah, and that's, that's actually what I was going to ask you, Damien. If, if you are sort of, you get out of prison, as you say, you've, you've done your best to educate yourself, to get yourself in a position to find employment, and you keep getting knocked back every which way you turn, do yeah. you see people then who fall back into criminality because they, they get hopeless, I suppose? They find, well, there's no point yeah, trying well, that, that way, uh, that way's not working.
2: Yeah, well, we, well I set up uh, Spiranua as a prison promise. I would have uh, known a lot of people in prison that did bad things but were good people. You know, they, they, mm. they, they, they weren't bad people, they just did bad things. And those people I would have relied on heavily for educational support, camaraderie, get through the whole thing together. And over the years, I've been reading about them uh, being dead or right back to where they started, you know. Justice didn't prevail for them people or their families, you know, if they got one opportunity when they left, life Mm -hmm. would have been so much different for them and all belonged to them. You know, look, I know the wider public do have very little sympathy for people that find themselves in prison. But there's so many people in prison that have a desire to, that know they've done wrong, accepted they've done wrong, uh, have a desire to give back, want to play a meaningful part in their family's lives and would do anything for an opportunity. And if somebody was only willing to give them that chance, it'd make so much it'd make yeah. a huge difference. I,
0: I want to I, I, I want to go back um in, in just a second to Searship, but Damien, just in terms of the work that Sveronua is doing, and as you say, you tried to present the situation in a positive light, you know, I've I have done this in the past, but I, I've now worked on myself and, and tried to make myself, you know, ready for new opportunities. How do you find employers react to that?
2: Well, what we do is we give we support employers to do their due diligence, where their guard vetting is in place. We can help the employer then uh, look at the person as a whole person view rather than the binary historic view of something that cannot change. We give them the whole view of what they 've done to take steps out of a life of crime. And, and we attach a value to that, we get it validated, and what we offer to the individual first and foremost is a certificate of commitment to change, much like a safe pass for construction, a certificate of permit, commitment to change that gives a screenshot of where they're at today, what okay. is strong about them today, the qualities and attributes that they bring, rather than just the deficits, which I the understand. current model of disclosure uh, does, it just keeps holes in people. It's a, it's a very positive approach uh,
0: which I, and I can understand how that would really help people. Um, Saoirse, I just want to ask you about something that you mentioned um, a little earlier. I, I, I didn't quite catch exactly the phrase that you used, but is it the spent convictions legislation that, I my, my guess is that that would mean that after a certain amount of time, that conviction would no longer be, you know, a, a matter of record. Is, is that right or can you explain it to me? Yeah. Yes,
1: yeah, so spent convictions um, legislation, you know, it applies to uh, offences that um, are tried in the district and circuit court mostly. Um, and I suppose it's after seven years that those uh, convictions have become spent. Um, and that applies to, you know, community service, probation, all of those. So it's kind of public order offences road, and less serious road traffic offences. Um, you know, other uh, convictions for other offences, you know, including theft, minor drug pro- Possession, dangerous driving, et cetera, you know, they can only one of those convictions can become spent. So if you've won one conviction, then it can become spent after seven years. But if you've more than one, um, it can't. Now, there is a piece of legislation there. There is a bill there. It is the Criminal Justice Rehabilitative Periods Bill, um, 2018. It it fell with the last government. It was introduced by Senator Lin Ruan, who was there today as well. Um, It fell with the last government, but was taken back up by this government. It has cross-party support and it's awaiting a waiting, uh, dull time to, to okay. push it forward um, and that would make a big difference for people. There's also a quality legislation review going on and IREC would have supported um, the extension of a ground of discrimination based on both socioeconomic status which is very linked to all of this that we're mm-hmm. discussing now but also uh, a discrimination based on criminal conviction that people couldn't discriminate on that basis either. Okay. So you know those are two programme for government commitments that we would love to see um, passed in the lifetime of this government. And then the other thing I would say in terms of what we really need to see um, is a ring-fenced funding for a dedicated support service for employers. That was the big thing that employers asked for, you know, so that they know how to put policies in place, that they have fair and inclusive um, employment practices. And we've called for Budget 2025, thinking ahead, to actually put that in place. Okay.
0: It's very interesting to speak to both of you and thank you very much for joining us this evening. That's Searsha Brady and Damien Quinn.